Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live. A program dedicated to you, providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. Hello, and welcome to Senior Care Live. Thanks for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. This program is all about educating seniors and their caregivers, helping them make informed decisions. And it's a great place to listen and learn. And so many people consider Senior Care Live appointment radio, and I hope you will too. As always, if you have a question, you can visit online at Senior Care Live, L-I-V-E, SeniorCareLive.com, or Go old school and give us a call at 1-800-331-6445. All right, we have an excellent program for you here today. My special guest in studio, Bruce Glenn, and he's the CIO and owner of the Glenn Team Wealth Planning at Infinitas. And for more information uh, regarding all of the really critical topics that we're going to cover today, you're going to want to write this number down and give Bruce and the great team a call. 913-563-7327. Here it is again, 913-563-7327. And Bruce, welcome to Senior Care Live. Thanks a lot, Steve. Glad to be here. All right, this is going to be great. And the theme for this week's program is stress testing your investments. That sounds very interesting. So, Bruce, what do you mean by stress test? Well, first of all, it's a very timely uh, time given the market conditions, a lot of people are concerned about if their investments are in good shape or not, and kind of how do you go about determining that? So, uh, evaluating your investments for quality is the main overview. So, rankings of the investments, uh, what kind of risks are there? There's all different types of risks depending on what kind of investments you're in. Uh, what type of categories are you invested in? And are you too heavy in certain categories, or maybe you're missing some coverages you should have? What are the fees you're paying? There are a lot of different types of fees, and that's always, you know, has some kind of an impact on your performance. But overall, you're wanting to see if the performance of your portfolio, is it doing well compared to a benchmark for the similar type of risk? Okay. All right. That is excellent. And you touched on several things right there. You know, we have really uh, three different 
categories of listeners. We have their caregivers. They're about 45 to about 65. We have uh, folks who are retired, 65 plus. And then we have a large group of uh, business professionals who also listen to this. So all of this information uh, is uh, applicable to them. And all of the differences that we talk about are applicable to at least one or more of those of those groups of listeners. So, uh, th- so the next thing uh, is, does the quality of the investments make that much of a difference? I mean, I've heard some people say just buy the index and you've got everything covered. I- I'm not sure if that's a good idea or not. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it depends, right? If you want to set it and forget it, you could be okay like that. Okay. Um, generally speaking, uh, even small differences can make a big effect on your overall portfolio, whether that be good or bad. So the quality does make a big difference. And when you compound over time, and so you mentioned the different types of, of listeners. So that's our audience as well. We yeah. take care of younger folks who are starting to accumulate for retirement. We take care of folks approaching retirement, and we have a lot of folks that are you know, even up to 100 years old. Okay. And, yep. and businesses also. We really do 401k and 403b plans and retirement plans for companies. Mm-hmm. But when you figure the time value of money, you know, what that little bit of difference is multiplied out by, you know, maybe not even just getting to retirement age, but getting all the way through life expectancy. It could be, in some cases, millions of dollars of difference just on whether you have good quality or bad quality. So you really need to make sure you've got good stuff. And we're all living longer. So, it, you know, we used to plan on, what, so retirement traditional 65 and, you know, used to re- plan on, you know, about 10 years of income. And now you may need 40 years of income. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? yeah. uh, so potentially. We normally will run a uh, retirement report out to about age 95. Yep. And if somebody has some longevity in their family, might want to run it longer. But at least that report, we can see what the year by year cash flow analysis looks like, including inflation and required minimum distributions and, and taxes Taxing and so on and, and so forth. Yep. Absolutely. That makes sense. So how are investments ranked, and I assume by different types? Well, absolutely. And so I kind of, a couple of different things on that. First of all, uh, there are a lot of different rating agencies out there for all different types of investments. We use four different ones. Uh, Morningstar, we have a very expensive deep dive version of Morningstar. Mm -hmm. And then uh, for our fiduciary plans, like our, uh, uh, we, we have some universities and hospitals and big, you know, companies. We'll use what's called an FI 360, and that's just kind of, a, again, an internal industry geek mode. It takes in an additional 11 specific uh, categories of risk uh, measurements above and beyond the regular Morningstar. And then we, when we put the portfolios together, we look at risk allies, kind of a historical backward look, how did this work? And then there's a forward stress test called Aladdin that we use. And again, these are, you know, they're, they're industry tools, but Aladdin is actually a stress test going forward. You can dial in certain... Uh, parameters like what about high inflation like right now oh yeah or what if we have rising interest rates which we also have right now mm-hmm. right or what if they have global thermal nuclear war <laughs> Let, let's you know? hope we never see <laughs> that let's, let's yeah not. yeah uh, but then as far as the types of investments and this is kind of an ever-changing uh, world um, the, the industry tends to be pretty creative at times but at the highest level you you know typically have stocks or bonds or you know banking instruments like a money market or cds um but then longer term, as far as folks that are, you know, maybe not wanting to pick stocks individually or individual bonds, mutual fund companies will do that for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and mutual funds can be either passive, kind of like an index fund where you own all the 500 stocks of the SP 500, or it can be active where you have uh, portfolio managers and research analysts that are actually researching these companies and do we want to own them or not? If we want to own them, what price do we want to pay for it? Or if we've gotten a good run on this stock, maybe we don't think it's going to do much better. 
what price you want to try and sell out of it at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can buy just a pure index, like I kind of mentioned there. And then in more recent times, ETFs were created, and that's the type of an investment you can trade throughout the day, ah. whereas your mutual funds wait till the end of the day to settle and get the price. And then there's uh, even uh, more recent types of ETFs that are a value screening. So maybe they don't want to own all of the SP 500 or all the NASDAQ stocks. Maybe they want to own the ones that are raising dividends every year or some other type of a value screen. So that's a little bit more of a sophisticated uh, narrowing down of that type of an investment. Well, and, then, and as you're getting older, you're you're less concerned about accumulation and maybe you're, you're changing into now I need some income. Exactly. And, and so those dividends and some of those other uh, aspects that you discussed, they become a lot more important to certain investor groups. Oh, absolutely. And dividends can always be a, an important part of your portfolio. Uh, and so you mentioned about folks when they get older, sometimes they don't want to take the risk of the market doing the wrong thing at the wrong time with all of their money. You know, maybe their uh, Social Security is going to provide 70 or 80 percent of what they need for retirement, and they want to cover that gap with some sort of an insured product. And so there are insurance companies that have insured products, annuities, and different things like this that mm-hmm. could be a, a, you know, a spot for some people in certain situations. Okay. Uh, and then there's some alternatives, you know, with like a you know, a real estate investment trust or things like that could be an alternative type of investment. Okay. And then regarding fees, uh, what should people know and what should they look for? Yeah. So first of all, nothing is free, Steve. I'm sure we're all aware of that. Oh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there are different uh, items like there's retail investing and then there's wholesale or institutional investing. And, uh, you know, uh, there are a lot of things that have hidden fees inside of them. And so the main thing is you really need to know your fees. And I'll, I'll get into these a little bit deeper. But, uh, you know, and there are some companies that get revenue by multiple streams and not just what you see. So you really want to make sure you understand what you're paying. All right. And then how do share classes and then the variable fees work? Sure. So in retail, there is an A share, a B share, or a C share. Or in the retirement world, retail is like an R1, R2, R3. These are the type of investments that you're either paying a front load for commission up front, or you may have to hold on to them for a while or pay a penalty to get out of them called a uh, surrender penalty. And then there's also an in, you know, a ongoing 12B1 or internal fee servicing fee on there. And then the funds themselves had a, a cost for running it for the, you know, the management company. Uh, and then on the uh, wholesale side, that'd be what we call zero revenue sharing funds. So like on our fiduciary accounts, we... Um, We'll have investments that don't have any commissions or any penalties to trade out them if we need to. They're the lowest cost version of the funds, and then we just charge a fee based on how the assets are running, you know, based on whatever your account value is. So if mm-hmm. it's lower, we're getting paid less. If it's more, we're getting paid more. But that's the fiduciary level of investing. Okay. And I always like that idea. You know, if I do better, you do better. And it's and every, right. everyone wins. Yeah, and, we're on the same page. Yeah. I, I love that idea. Uh, and then on portfolio performance, what should people be looking at? Yeah, so overall, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, um, if you're paying someone to you know, help you out with your investments, I think you should be expecting to beat the benchmarks. You're not going to beat the benchmark on every little short term, but in the longer time frames on a one-year, three-year, five-year, ten-year measurements, and then you want to be looking at trends. Are we getting better or getting worse? And are the investments doing what they're supposed to do and not drifting into different places? Okay, all right. That's very, very interesting. And... Uh, I have some more questions right, right. <laughs> after the break, um, and I really, I really do want to ask about you know the impact uh, of inflation and you know, what what is that doing today? Right, and because I mean everyone is 
almost, I mean, kind of freaking out uh, about mm-hmm. about in, uh, inflation and the cost of gas, the cost of, I, I was in sticker shock the other day going to the groceries. I mean, everything is more expensive. And how is that impacting uh, all of our investments and our net worth and everything? So we'll, we'll get into that here very shortly. I'm speaking today with guest in studio, Bruce Glenn, CIO and owner of the Glenn Team Wealth Planning at Infinitas. And if you want some more information, obviously, Bruce knows what he's talking about. He'll take good care of you. 913-563-7327. That's 913-563-7327. And now the Senior Care Live question of the week. People should change their risk level on investing at different times throughout their life. Is that statement true or false? The answer coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. And don't forget, you can stream this program to any electronic device at SeniorCareLive.com and through the app Odyssey, and that's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Just check out the Odyssey app and you can get us that way as well. All right, back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. People should change their risk level on investing at different times throughout their life. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is... True. The answer is true. And Bruce, why is that statement true? Well, and I should qualify by saying it's not necessarily true for everybody. But if you think about it, when we're younger, your 20s and 30s, just starting out investing, you've got a lot more time on your side and if the goal is to save for retirement, you can be more aggressive. And if there are some pullbacks in the market or corrections or whatever you want to call it, like we're going through right now, mm-hmm. you still have plenty of time to recover from that and you're good, right? Yeah. But as you get closer to retirement, you may not want to have that risk of that event, maybe a, a, a housing crisis 2008 or a dot-com bubble, yeah. you know, these type things. If, it's, if the market goes down dramatically and your portfolio goes down with it, a lot. It could affect your ability to retire when you want to retire. And then when you're in retirement already, you know, you've got, you're relying on your social security. Maybe you have a pension, uh, maybe some outside income, but you're, you're definitely relying on your portfolio to last. So that may be a different level of risk that you may be willing to take or not take. So we're very diligent about going through our risk with our clients. And then like I mentioned earlier, if you have some short-term goals, that, that portfolio or that part of your portfolio should be less volatile. You know, less yeah. at risk. So those type of things. Now, I will. I want to stress this a lot, Steve. Right now, with the market being down, mm-hmm. hopefully everybody's out there and realizes this is just the way the markets go. From time to time, we have these pullbacks. Though somebody's standing on the cliff ready to jump off about it, meaning that they might be wanting to sell their investments and go to money market or cash, that's not the time to reset your risk. Now, I'm not saying the market may not go down further or not, but... Yeah. If you sell your investments and, and you no longer own the investments that historically would bounce back. You just sold it low. Yeah, and you're locked in a loss. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, most people, when they get back in, 
is when the market's higher and it's yeah. rainbows and sunshines and puppy dogs oh, and boy. new highs and yeah. they get their buy low or they you know sell low and buy high and yeah. you just can't do that and make money. Yeah, that that's bad combination right there. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that's an excellent point. Uh, Bruce Glenn, CIO and owner of the Glenn Team Wealth Planning at Infinitas. If you want to reach out to Bruce and the great team, call 913-563-7327. That's 913-563-7327. And Bruce, you mentioned uh, several types of risk. So could you explain that, please? Sure, and there are a lot of different types of risk, and I'll probably miss a few. But first of all, remember that there's nothing that's risk-free. Yeah. A lot of people think that having money at the money market that's FDIC-insured or in a CD is risk-free. It's not because you still have inflation risk. You know, right now, inflation is high. Well, obviously, what the money is paying at the bank currently isn't enough to keep up with inflation. So that's mm-hmm. one type of risk. Most people think about risk as being equity or stock market risk. That's what we're experiencing now where the market's gone down. Goals risk is a big issue. Um, you know, sector risk. Sometimes we'll see portfolios where uh, folks may have an unusually high amount of money into a certain sector. Maybe it's technology. In fact, a lot of you kind of see that now because the last few years technology has kind of led the charge, or growth, large cap growth stocks have kind mm-hmm. of led the charge. So a lot of people tend to chase returns or drive through the rearview mirror, and they want to have what's done the best more recently. And they may kind of not realize or think about diversifying their portfolio. So having too much in a certain sector can be a problem, or even having too much concentration in maybe large companies only. And you're abandoning the medium size, you know, medium or even the small publicly traded companies, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. are still pretty good sized companies. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, you know, overlap is something we see a lot. Also, we'll analyze somebody's statement, and um, if the investments, if they have a lot of mutual funds or exchange traded funds. Our tools will look down inside those funds and see what they actually own. And then it'll aggregate everything together so then we know what are the top 100 stocks they have in their portfolio. And then how is it owned? A lot of times we find out that folks have been investing their money in a way that they think they're diversified. They may have 8, 10, 12 mutual funds or more, but half of them are owning the same stuff. Same stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that it's makes not going to worlds of fun and you're riding the big roller coaster, but if it breaks and the rest of the parks close down, you don't. You don't have anything else that's helping you out. So yeah. you don't want to be on that roller coaster too heavy in one area. Credit quality is a big issue with, with bonds. Sometimes people want to chase returns where they're getting a higher interest payment, and that's fine for some of your portfolio. But you also want to have some balance there with some quality bonds and things that aren't as much uh, risk there. So those are just a few of the you know the risk levels out there. Okay. And then you mentioned goals risk. So could you break that down and explain that a little bit, please? Yeah, so I kind of jumped the gun, I guess, on this one a little bit earlier. But uh, the goals risk, so again, if you um, have certain time frames that you're looking for, results that you need to have, you know, come heck or high water, make sure you're good there. So like, I think of it in terms of three buckets of money. You know, one bucket is my short-term money, and maybe it's like right now when the market's down, if you're normally taking, if you're a senior and you're retired and you're normally taking money out on a monthly basis out of your investment portfolio, but if the market's down, you really shouldn't take money out if you can avoid it or try and minimize what you're taking out. Yeah. So if you have some money at the bank, you know, that uh, is, you know, that safe money or safer money, you can use that in times of dips. You know, so it's good to have that short-term bucket there. Again, it okay. could be for a car, vacation, or whatever it might be. And then intermediate, so maybe you're uh, trying to get a second home or some other goal, maybe it's a five to 10-year goal, you might be a little bit more of a moderate investor there. And then on the longer term, it's obviously your retirement savings, college, maybe long-term care. Make sure that you've got yep. a great facility that you want to go to uh, when you when you get that time where it's time to do it. 
but uh, you know, don't take more risk than you should with your short-term money would be the takeaway on that. Okay. And then you mentioned concentration and allocation. Uh, can you give us an example of that? So, and again, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, so I apologize if I'm being redundant. But when we analyze a portfolio, it's not just a matter of what the quality of the stocks are and are they beating the indexes or not and their fees and these type things. How does it all pull together as an overall package? And, and so uh, we'll do, uh, analyze how much percentage of your money is in the large growth stocks or large dividends or your medium sizes, or small ones, your internationals, your quality bonds, your intermediate, your high-yield bonds. Uh, do you have some other sectors out there? Maybe you've got, you know, uh, utility fund or, you know, convertible bonds, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, But we don't want to see too much in certain areas. That could be a problem with your allocation. It causes a lot of extra risk. It's just not a good thing to have happen. So, uh, But I do see it all the time. I'd say that's the number one mistake I see when, when we analyze folks outside portfolios. Okay. And uh, in, in just a, a very short answer, how, how is inflation impacting our investments in net worth? Yeah, so some inflation's healthy, but when you have too high of inflation, now the Federal Reserve is concerned they're raising rates. So raising rates really affects the growth stocks because they tend to be ones that are borrowing more money to grow their companies. It also negatively affects the price value of your bonds. Bonds will mature at full value, and they'll keep paying your interest payment in between. But a bond that may have been worth 10% overvalue before the rates hiked, now the rates hiked a little bit, now maybe that bond's only worth 5% premium. But because it was worth 10% premium, now it's only worth 5% premium, that's a loss on paper. It's mm-hmm. not a real loss because your bond's still going to pay at full maturity. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, inflation affects a lot of things if you have to start raising rates to contain it. And, and uh, it makes people may not be able to buy as much stuff. It could slow the overall economy down, which would be bad for everybody. Okay, and if you're not sure you have a good handle on these critical issues, or maybe you just like a complimentary second stress test on your portfolio, give the Glenn team at Infinitas a call at 913-563-7327. Bruce, it was great to have you in. I really appreciate it, and thanks for being here today. Steve, thank you. appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We'll have more coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. And don't forget to check out our podcasts at SeniorCareLive.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, the podcast is everywhere. It is omnipresent. How about that? (laughs) All right. Just want to say thanks again to Bruce Glenn. He's the CIO and owner of the Glenn Team Wealth Planning at Infinitas. First of all, Bruce is a really smart guy. He knows his stuff, and I'm really looking forward to visiting with him uh, You know, every month. We're going to be talking about uh, investments and money-related matters. Uh, however, it's going to be directed towards our listening audience. So our core, our core groups of listeners would be the caregivers, okay, so 45 to 65-ish, like right in there. Okay, caregivers, and then, of course, 
retired people, the seniors themselves. And, and I heard 65 is the new 45. So if I say senior and you're 65, don't be mad at me. So I'm not too far behind you, actually. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so so 65 plus, you know, we're learning. We are are making our own plans. We're calling our own shots. And uh, and that that is a, a huge part of the listening audience. And then there's even a third segment of the audience, and that would be business people. Lots and lots. We have doctors, attorneys, people working in the senior care uh, business uh, at one you know one type of a function versus another. So there are just lots and lots and lots of listeners uh, to the program. So Bruce is going to be tailoring uh, the information that we discuss regarding investments and money, etc. Uh, uh, to our listening audience. So this isn't going to be just another, uh, you know, financial show, okay, because there are lots of them out there and feel free to listen to them. But as we talk about that on this program, it will meet the mission of providing information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. And so uh, anyway, all of that to say, reach out to Bruce Glenn if you have questions today. You want to get a stress test, another opinion uh, on what you're doing, uh, reach out to him at 913-563-7327. And uh, they'll take your information. And uh, that, I tell you what, that would be, I think that would be a good exercise, especially during these kind of these crazy times that we're living in right now. It is... um, Yeah, we're living in some interesting times. We'll just leave it at that. All right, here we go. And now, Senior Care in the News. A news report from Steve Keeker, president of Senior Care Consulting. Okay, this is from Reuters, and it's, uh, it's back a little ways. February 24th, 2022. How the World Health Organization Might Face Future Pandemics. Okay, you may have heard a little bit about this here recently. Negotiations on new rules for dealing with pandemics will begin at the World Health Organization on Thursday. Now, that would have been back in February, right? With a target date of May 2024, so a couple years from now, for a treaty to be adopted by the U.N. Health Agency's 194 member countries, which, of course, the United States is one of them. The WHO itself is facing calls for reform after an independent panel described it as, listen to this word, underpowered. Oh, brother. (laughs) When COVID-19 struck with limited powers to investigate outbreaks and coordinate containment measures okay i'll go on but i have to just throw in my two cents and some commentary underpowered so they're seeking to restructure this and then create a ratified treaty to secure a lot more power that always makes me nervous when you have a body like this, and, and none of us elected these people. No one voted on it, okay? Uh, and you hand them a whole lot more power that may impact how we live in our country. That always makes me very, very nervous, okay? And one of those powers would be to coordinate containment measures. So they're going to be telling our country and 193 other countries on what to do. I, I've always thought that uh, a, a group like this, and, and I think there's a place for a group like this, the WHO, uh, 
But I think it should be a, a an advisory, uh, have an advisory type of a role and communicate and distribute information, uh, critical and vital information in a timely manner. I just, I just, I, 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 this whole thing makes me nervous, folks. Suggested proposals for the pact include the sharing of data in genome sequences of emerging viruses and rules. So that's fine. Again, advisory, sharing data, information, trying to help, trying to be very helpful to, to all of these countries. Here's one, though, that makes me nervous. Rules on equitable vaccine distribution. Equitable is a politically charged trigger type of a word. So I don't think you look at equity when you're dealing with something like this. You know what equitable is? You get the medicines and the vaccines to those who are the most Vulnerable, and that's driven by science, not anything else. So you treat the most vulnerable regardless of who they are, what they look like, or where they live. Okay, so with COVID-19, what did that virus target? Elderly individuals, 65 plus. It targeted obese individuals. It targeted people with existing lung and breathing issues and COPD. It targeted people who were diabetic. All these people were at a very high risk and in a high risk group. That is who should get the medicine and the vaccines first, as well as the frontline hands-on healthcare workers. I don't want to hear about equitable. I want to hear about treating those most vulnerable first and then start to flow down the line to other groups of individuals driven by, you know, their health status, their age, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just be more scientific about it, less political about it. And I think, in my opinion, that's a better, uh, more well-rounded common sense approach. The European Union is pushing for a ban on wildlife markets and incentives for reporting new viruses or variants. So, good luck getting China to ban its wet markets. Hey, China, you're going to have to ban your wet markets. They'll say, ah, no. Okay, so I I just don't see that working. And since we're discussing a treaty where everyone will get along and cooperate for the good of the entire world, and why are we discussing incentives to report new viruses or variants? So anytime you use that word incentive, again, that's a code word. You're talking about money. Why would we pay money to incentivize this behavior when that's what the very treaty is all about? So to me, that spells lots of spending, lots of pork, lots of red tape and bureaucracy. Again, this whole thing, none of it smells good right out of right out of the gate. Washington's proposals aim to boost transparency and grant the WHO quicker access to outbreak sites. Several diplomats said they're likely to prove too ambitious, though, with opposition from China and others expected on the basis of national sovereignty. It goes on to say China did allow WHO-led expert teams to visit the epicenter in Wuhan, but the WHO says it is still withholding clinical data from early cases that may hold clues about the origins of the COVID-19 virus. Well, there's a shocker. Okay. 
<laughs> so I've just scratched the surface of this new proposal. And earlier this week, the, the president of the WHO was reelected for another term, right? So he's still at the helm of this thing and received even received a, a standing ovation. So that I think that's interesting. But uh, so I, I've just scratched the surface and I'm going to follow this because this is going to get really, really interesting and it could get frankly, a little scary in, in my opinion. But I'll, I'll have some updates on this one from time to time. But here's my question. So how do you feel about this? Do you think this is a good idea? Something to think about. And another issue to report has nothing to do with the WHO or COVID-19. But And you may have heard about this. And if not, oh boy, pay attention. The FDA has recalled most of the Jif peanut butter products due to salmonella poisoning. I'm not sure how salmonella gets into peanuts, but there we go. It's there, and people are getting sick. So you could go on, just log on to fda.gov to see that notice. But on May the 22nd, the list of UPC codes, that's that barcode uh, with the numbers below it, that would be on all of the affected products. Uh, So you can just look at the the barcode and look at that number and just check it to that list. That was updated. Looks to me that most, if not all, of the GIF products are on that list. So just check your jar of GIF peanut butter. We don't want anyone uh, getting sick. And just about everyone that I know, unless you have an allergy, we're all eating what we like, Peanut butter on toast, PB&J, et cetera, et cetera. Just check it out. If you have one of these recalled products, like I have five jars in my pantry, every single one of them is on the list. My recommendation, don't throw it away. You always hear on the news, oh, if you have this or have this, just throw it away. Well, why would you throw it away? Take it back to the store you bought it from and get a refund. Get your money back. Okay, but bottom line, do not eat it. Take it back for a refund. And as of May the 1st, there have been 14 illnesses, two hospitalizations, and no deaths. So that's the great news. There's a limited number of states reporting the illnesses, but th- that list is going to grow uh, for sure. So uh, be sure to uh, to check your peanut butter. It, it's only GIF products. Check it out. And if you have one on the recall list, take it back for a refund. I'll be back with more in just a second you're listening to senior care live on the senior care broadcasting network for more information call now toll free 1-800-331-6445 operators are standing by 1-800-331-6445 i'll be right back Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, visit SeniorCareLive.com. All right. So I'm running into this a lot in the marketplace, long-term care insurance policies. So let me say this. Somehow long-term care insurance, it, I think it got off to a little bit of a rough start. And uh, you know, a lot of people... Think of it as nursing home insurance. And frankly, that's how it started. You know, back in the 90s, uh, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, you want to buy a nursing home policy? Oh, no, thank you. (laughs) Right? Didn't sound too exciting. It wasn't flexible. Uh, It was kind of expensive for what you got. And it was just, it was nursing home insurance. 
So these policies have been dramatically updated and expanded, much more user-friendly. You're highly likely to use your long-term care insurance policy today, and it's not just limited to long-term care. The vast majority of them pay for assisted living. They'll pay for non-medical in-home assistance from a home care provider. They'll uh, even pay for adult daycare services. So they're just they're, they're just so much better than they used to be. It's not even close. So I just wanted to talk about some of the functions within this long-term care insurance policy. And so all of these all of these elements, if you will, can be adjusted up or down, which will increase or decrease your premium on a monthly basis or quarterly or annual basis. So the first one, the elimination period. Now, I don't know who in the world thought this was a good idea to call it an elimination period. It is a deductible. I speak in English, <laughs> right? So the elimination period is deductible. So I think the most common one that I see out there in the market is 90 days. And if you if you look at your policy and it says elimination period, 90 days, that means that once you file a claim, you're on the hook, which is the deductible part. Deductible part. You'll pay for the first 90 days of the service that you require. And then this policy will start paying on day 91. Now, if you have, I've seen some of these elimination periods go up to like 180 days, so that's six months. Well, if you pay more of a deductible, then your premiums are going to be less, right? If you, I've seen quite a few 30-day elimination periods. I've even seen some zero-day elimination periods. On a zero-day, this thing pays from day one. So the shorter the elimination period or the lower the deductible, then what does that do to your premium? Your premium goes up because they're paying more. Does that make sense? Right? It's just the same as the deductible on your car insurance or deduct- deductible on your homeowner's insurance. You know, the higher the deductible, the more you're paying out of pocket, the lower the premium. And then we have the inverse. The less you pay on a deductible, the higher the premium. Same thing here. And then we have a really critical element. It's the daily benefit. And this is what this policy will pay out. So I rec- I used to recommend for a really long time, I recommended a $200 a day benefit. But um, you know what? Uh, and this was happening before inflation, and now it's even more, more applicable here, is uh, all of these prices are going up and up and up and up. It's, it's just amazing. So I'm recommending at least... $250 a day in a daily benefit that will that will pay out $7,500 in a month. And if you can afford it, I, I might even look at a $300 a day benefit. That's because uh, at, at the, the most expensive level of care that you would move into would be long-term care, uh, also known as a nursing home. Right. They, they hate that term, by the way. So, <laughs> But guess what? The, the, the vast majority of the general public still refer to it as a nursing home, so I don't, I don't play those games too much. But we'll call it long-term care. A lot of these places for a semi-private or a shared room, they're going to be 250 to close to $300 a day. 
So that would that would cover that, and you don't even have to touch your own assets or your own income to pay for that. You know, I recently had the the pleasure and the privilege of working with a fantastic couple here uh, locally. Uh, they moved here from California, you know, several years ago, and he has a long term care insurance policy on both of them that pays five hundred dollars per day. And I said, you know what? There, there's a, there's some good news here. In California, you needed $500 a day to cover your expenses because the cost of living is a lot higher there. Here in the Midwest, I think $250, $300 a day will cover it. So you should be able to lower your coverage, and that's going to lower his premium. And that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to drop it to $300 a day and save some money. But uh, but the bottom line, two fifty to three hundred should uh, should get get you covered uh, f- for just about anything that you're going to need here. All right, the next element is how long does it pay out? So you have to have. Don't even buy it if you can't afford a five year term. Longer is better. Okay, uh, but but it needs to pay out a five year term, and here's why. There's some national statistics, and they're they're pretty similar among all of the different all the different studies that have been conducted, where the average length of stay in assisted living is just just right at two and a half years, and then a very high percentage of those residents will have to increase their level of care and move along to long term care, where their average length of stay is right at just a little bit under two and a half years. So you add that together, there's your five-year term where you're going to be paying out six to seven to nine to $10,000 a month for up to five years on an average. So that's why I say you got to have a five-year. If you get something that pays out for a year or two, it's just not going to last long enough, I think, for most people. Now, if, if you get a three-year term, your premiums are going to be less. If you get an eight-year term, the premium is going to be more. You see how that works? Okay, and then this one is not negotiable, in my opinion. And, and I, think, I think our current state of our economy makes the case very, very simple. You must have the inflation rider on this policy. I would not buy one. If you if you can't handle the five percent inflation rider, and the inflation rider says that every year it's going to increase by five percent, so that daily benefit of say two fifty or three hundred wherever you're at, that's going to just bump up a little bit every single year, and then that way, if you don't use it for ten or twenty years, okay, you're still going to be able to cover the cost of that of that of that long-term care or that assisted living community. Without that, it might pay for half of it because these things, their cost will continue to go up no matter what. And if your numbers stay flat and level, you're going to fall short. And then last but not least, tell your insurance broker that the policy must be a state partnership plan. That one is non-negotiable. I don't have time to dive into that. Uh, I'll have a long-term care insurance expert on the program fairly soon to explain that. But you trust me, you're going to thank me later on that. Say, Mr. or Mrs. Insurance Broker, Steve Keeker said, 
it must be a state partnership plan. And, and trust me, it's a good thing you want that. All right. What a great, that was a great program today. I really enjoyed that. I'm your host, Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. Join me next week right here on Senior Care Live. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.